you on that Otis McDonald track. That's royalty-free hip-hop, everybody. Hello, welcome back. I'm Robin. This is me reading stuff. Uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for just being you and being good to yourself. Um, I got some questions for you right off the bat. One that Damien asked me the other day that out of nowhere, we're driving home. I can't remember what we were doing, but we were in the car and all of a sudden he asked me, I got a question for you. What was your favorite pencil topper as a kid? And boom, my mind exploded because I had so many amazing pencil toppers when I was a kid. And in fact, I still had one of them, which I just pulled out of a little bag that was called Special Bag. And I found my little pencil topper. So how about you guys? Do you have any favorite pencil toppers that you'd like to share with us? Um, and then that prompted me to think of another question that I love, which is what your favorite crayon color is or was. Either way, answer either question. Um, guess what mine was? No, it wasn't green. It was copper. That copper crayon. And question, do they still have copper? Do they still make the copper? That one was so gorgeous. I mean, copper is a beautiful color anyway, right? I really loved the copper. I loved the silver. I loved Rossiana a lot. I loved, it's crazy how many, like earth tones or something I liked. Um, and I loved, what else did I love? Those were my main ones I loved. Um, <clears throat> last question for today is, what TV character do you relate to the most? Like, have you ever seen a TV show where that one character reminded you of you? Um, it's happened to me a lot, but only in part, not really a lot. It's always like I really relate to one thing about them, but the rest of them kind of sucks. Uh, let's see. I can't think of it. I'm going to get back to you on that. I know that there is, sadly, it's always like the nerdiest character on the show that I relate to the most. And I never like, like them. Here's the thing I will tell you. I never like the person who I can tell is the most like me on any show. <laughs> never. Um, I was going to try. I have this yarn project in front of me. And I was going to try to be like super cash while I was hanging out with you guys tonight. I was going to like do my yarn project and lean back in the chair, talk to you anyway. But I'm realizing it's going to be horrible audio if I do that. But that sounded fun to me to be, you know, just doing my thing, talking to you. So I don't know if there's a solution for that in the future, but at this point I'm putting, I'm putting the needle down I'm putting the yarn down because this is not happening while I hang out. I'm going to be way too paranoid that it's not going <laughs> to, I need to kind of keep an eye and make sure this is recording and the mic is working. Excuse me while I take a moment to like clear my throat. Hold on. I feel like my voice is just like half there. Like I'm having to push it, but it's still not fully there. I don't know how to describe this. It's something I, I, I'm not used to, but anyway, um, I came up with a new philosophy this week. I can't, how did this happen? Oh, so I finished the executioner song, highly recommend the executioner song by Norman Mailer. And then I did a little research on him and the book afterwards. So now I can say without a shadow of doubt, he stabbed his wife his second wife. He was married like seven times and I got to see an interview with her explaining it. And the weirdest part is she talks about how gentle he was normally. Like she, she talks very lovingly about him even, even after that happened. So it's very weird. I'm not excusing it because she did cry her head off. Like 
when she told that part of the story, it was very depressing to listen to. And, um, a horrible thing he said after he stabbed her, which he, they, they were all high on drugs when this happened. Like it was a huge party and everything got nuts and he stabbed her and she, and then he said, somebody was trying to help her, I think. And they, and he said, just leave the bitch to die. So that was pretty much all I needed to know in order to hate him. Um, but I may hate him, but that book was insane. And anyway, back, back to Gary Gilmore, the serial killer this book was about. Well, he's not a serial... I don't know. It, you know, it's debatable. He only killed two people, but it was a wild, wild 24 hours when he did that. But um, anyway, Gary Gilmore's last words before being um, killed on in an on death row by a firing squad, he said, they said, do you have any final words? And he said, um, let's do it. And that I found out inspired J Nike's ad campaign, just do it, which has always been very inspirational to me. I think I even brought this up with you guys recently, but now my new thing is after digesting that info and knowing that that how interesting it is that Nike's ad campaign, which is one of the most successful ad campaigns on the planet, uh, came from Gary Gilmore's final words. I, and by the way, those weren't really his final words because then he spoke in Latin to the priest who was giving him his, you know, giving him his last rites or whatever they're called. Um, but I have a new thing that I thought of when I was taking a bath the other day, which I was kind of debating whether I should do one thing or the other. And they were both so... Like, they weren't a big deal, neither of them, you know? There were no consequences, really, to either of these things. But in my head, again, it was becoming a big deal. So I, it's not my phrase, but the phrase, it's just life, really resonated for me. Like, whether or not I do this or this, it doesn't matter. It's just life. Like, you're gonna, I'm gonna be fine or I'm not. I'm gonna either survive it or I'm gonna die. But this wasn't a life or death thing. This was probably, like, a decision about a drawing I'm making or something dumb like that. And then it reminded me of my dear friend, Eric. He, one time I was deciding on whether or not I was going to get an extra earring hole in my left ear. I already have two, even though I never use both of them. But anyway, I was like making this a big deal on our phone call. We usually talk once a week and I was like, and this was just a couple years ago. Um, oh man, is this not in? Hold on. It feels like my mic wasn't in. Well, I don't know if the audio was all messed up prior to this, but my mic was registering. It doesn't matter. It's in now and I'm just rolling with this. So I, I was talking about this on the phone as if this were a big deal. I, I mean, I wasn't like crying or anything. I was just like, God, you know, I'm really trying to figure this out. Do I get another earring or does that look weird on somebody in their 40s or whatever? And he said something, he's like, listen, nobody's looking at your ear. What do you think? Someone's going to make fun of you at the bus stop? I mean, like, we're in our 40s. <laughs> get the earring. Don't get the earring. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about you and your extra earring hole. Now, that may sound harsh, uh, but it was but it wasn't. It was hilarious to me. And I actually really welcome kind of advice like that. Anything to kind of uh, knock me off my obsessive train is really good for me. So anyway, it's just life, you guys. If anybody needs to hear that, I so relate to that. Okay. 
guess what? I got a lot of requests from listeners who want me to read from the School of Life Dictionary again. So this is going to be part two of the School of Life Dictionary. And I almost read you guys one on jolliness last week. And I I don't know that I actually have read this one. I just wanted to read it. So I don't think I've read this to myself yet, but I'm interested in what they have to say about jolliness. The word jolly doesn't make me excited. I'm not like, you know what I wish I was? I wish I was, I wish I were jolly. I don't think that, but let's see what they have to say about it. Here we go. And again, the voice, I don't know what's up. Maybe it's allergies. Okay. Jolliness might sound like an ideal state of mind. However, with its remorseless and insistent upbeat quality, it has little in common with what is really required for a well-lived life. Okay. Already I'm like, amen, people. Normality includes a lot of sorrows. Many genuinely sad things occur in every existence, pretty much every day. Okay, I I love this book. Um, In the background of most of our lives, there is likely to be a powerful sadness. It's natural to want to skirt contact with it, but such avoidance comes at a high price. Honesty about the darkness inside ourselves and the strangeness and cruelty of life more generally are crucial components in engaging with our own ambitions and achieving intimacy with others. In a discussion of parenting styles, the psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott once identified a particularly problematic kind of child carer, the person who wants to jolly babies and small children along, always picking them up with cheer, bouncing them up and down and pulling exaggerated funny faces, perhaps shouting peekaboo repeatedly. The criticism might feel disconcerting. What could be so wrong with wanting to keep a child jolly? Yet Winnicott was worried by what effect this would have on a child, the way it was subtly not giving the child a chance to acknowledge its own sadness, or more broadly, its own feelings. The jollier doesn't just want the child to be happy. More alarmingly, it can't tolerate the idea that it might be sad. So unexplored and potentially potentially overwhelming are his or her own background feelings of disappointment and grief. Childhood is necessarily full of sadness, as is adulthood, insisted Winnicott, and we must perpetually be granted the possibility of periods of mourning for a broken toy, the gray sky on a Sunday afternoon, or the lingering sadness we can see in our parents' eyes. We need a public culture that remembers how much of life deserves to have solemn and mournful moments and that it isn't tempted, and that isn't tempted normally in the name of selling us things aggressively to deny the legitimate place of melancholy. Let's give it a round of applause, everybody. Round of applause to my new cult, the School of Life Dictionary. You guys want to join my cult? Because I think I think we could have a lot of fun with this. <laughs> that was really good, right? It reminded me a lot of, and I've read from it on here, uh, the Chagyam Trungpa book. Um, well, the Shambhala. If you do a search on Shambhala on um, me reading stuff on the, you'll see it. Or I'll, you know what? I'll link it. I'll remember to link it. Um, let me write a little note and then I'll get right back to you. We're going to do one more reading. All right. One more page. Let's, the one that I was really interested in the other day that I haven't read to myself or you, Getting an Early Night. Let me preface this by saying, I hate and love sleep so equally that it is plaguing me minute by minute in such a severe way lately that I think I'm losing my mind and I'm not exaggerating. All I want to do is sleep 
and all I want to do is do a million things a day. And this very complex um, clashing of wills is is so unbelievably maddening to me. I, it almost makes me just want to cry talking to you about it right now. And I don't have a solution because I think this is just who I am. A, physically, I have no energy. I have many autoimmune conditions, a heart condition. I'm just naturally... I don't know. My disposition is I'm exhausted. My mom is too. She's always been tired. She's tired every day. She always mentions being tired. I do too. Um, and then I'm also on certain medication that makes me even more tired for the for my heart problem. So it's like there's kind of no way around this. And by the way, I was even tired when I was a little tiny kid. I was always tired. So that's, I'm just going to say this isn't going to change. Then on the flip side is that I'm just going to give myself some credit here and say, I've never met anyone who wants to do more things every day than, than me. And, it, you know, like I, I have my hand in a million different things at any given moment. And I am so, I'm just increasingly passionate about it all, whether it be my drawings, now all of my yarn work, reading, walking, eating well, trying to do yoga every day, which by the way, I'm failing miserably at trying to be good, good, a good friend, trying to be a good, um, everything, just good to everybody in my life, trying to take time to reflect, trying to relax, trying to be good at Animal Crossing, um, trying to try to look good every day, which that is, you know, like trying to look presentable. That was a part of my 12 step program is trying to look presentable every day. It ends up being an important thing when you're, when you're taking care of yourself. But I don't have time for that, man. I look like I just stepped off of the set of cops all the time lately. I, I rolled out of bed in what I'm wearing right now, and it's 8 p.m. And that's been very consistent because I'm so busy and overwhelmed right now. So anyway, I mean, if I were to list to you the things I want to accomplish every day, and so I go to bed every night upset that I didn't do it all. Okay, anyway, you get the idea. And I know I should go to bed earlier. And I know I should relax more. And I know I need to exercise more. But my, what calls me more are all of these more artistic things. But I'm not going to have a long life if that's all I do. I've got to do the other things too. So, And I, I'm somebody who values sleep. But by the way, again, I love sleeping. It is. It probably makes me happier than almost anything in the entire world. It actually does make me happier than making art is the weird thing. But I, does this make sense to any, does anybody else just go crazy? Is there any solution? And while I'm at it, I want to thank two people, both Cecile and Cindy, because they really helped me out on this email front. I think I got some other emails helping me out that I haven't seen yet. But so if I have, didn't mention your name, then that's just because I haven't seen it yet. But Cindy and Cecile wrote to me about their strategies for getting in and out of emails and being able to do email. And it really has helped me. Like as of, as of right now, I feel on top of my emails for the most part. So I want to say thank you for that. So the new question for Cindy and Cecile and anybody else is, what, is, what am I going to do? Am I just going to live a life being tired and overwork. I don't know. You you hear me. All right, well, let's hear what the School of Life, our new cult says. Getting an early night. By the way, if anybody from the School of Life is listening, which I'm sure they're not, I want to say that I, I mean that lovingly, like in the most loving way about a cult. I know you guys are not a cult. This is a beautiful organization. 
and I loved visiting you guys in Amsterdam or wherever I was. Yeah, Amsterdam. And um, I'm so into this book and so many people responded to this last episode saying they love this book, which is why I'm reading from it again. So here we go. Getting an early night. To a surprising and almost humiliating extent, some of the gravest problems we face during a day can be traced back to a brutally simple fact that we have not had enough sleep the night before. The idea sounds profoundly offensive. There are surely greater issues than tiredness. We are likely to be up against genuine hurdles. The economic situation, politics, problems at work, tensions in our relationship, the family. These are true difficulties, but what we often fail to appreciate is the extent to which our ability to confront them with courage and resilience is dependent on a range of distinctly small or low factors what our blood sugar level is like when we last had a power proper powerful proper hug from someone how much water we've drunk and how many hours we've rested by the way hugs are very important in my opinion Uh, we tend to resist such analysis of our troubles it can feel like an insult to our rational adult dignity to think that our sense of gloom might stem from exhaustion we would sooner identify ourselves as up against an existential crisis than see ourselves as sleep deprived we should be careful of under but also of over intellectualizing to be happy we, we require large serious things money freedom love But we need a lot of semi-insultingly little things, too. A good diet, hugs, rest. Oh, this is really sweet and really true, you guys. Anyone who has ever looked after babies knows this well. When life becomes too much for them, it is almost always because they are tired, thirsty, or hungry. With this in mind, it should be no insult to insist that we never allow ourselves to adopt a truly tragic stance until we have first investigated whether we need to have some orange juice interesting choice of liquid or lie down for a while probably as a hangover from childhood staying up late feels a little glamorous and even exciting it does to me late at night is when in theory the most fascinating things happen all right is it theory or is it real because it feels real everything cool happens after dark in my opinion but in a wiser culture than our own some of the most revered people in the land would on a regular basis be shown taking to bed early there would be competitions highlighting sensible bedtimes i would lose so hardcore we would be reminded of the pleasures of already being in bed when the last of the evening light still lingers in the sky our problems would not thereby disappear but our strength to confront them would at points critically increase oh i can't even comprehend a, a a day when i go to bed when there's still light in the sky i can't even comprehend that and and the reason for me i don't know about you guys is because i would feel so guilty i would feel so unbelievably guilty about the like what I could be doing the next five hours rather than sleeping. But I love to sleep. Anyway, be very curious to know how you guys feel about all of this. I love, ever since I was probably, I don't know, in college, I've always been fascinated with asking people about their sleep schedules. It's one of the main questions I like to ask people and hear about. Uh, So honestly, if you feel like telling anybody about your sleep habits, just email them over to me because I would love to read about them. And any advice on this would be great too. I mean, basically, I think I need to get psychologically, I need to fix this in my head. And 
you know, I know that I have a problem where instead of at the end of the day, thinking about all the things I didn't get to do, I need to think about all the things I did do. And somebody once recommended that I, instead of doing a to-do list or on top of doing a to-do list, because I, I have like several of them each day, do a I did it list at the end of the night. And you'll feel really good. Because even if you have a day where you basically took a nap, ate breakfast, and made one phone call to a doctor, that is, I do believe that's, well, I believe that's good enough for you. <laughs> for me, uh, that doesn't even come close. No, but you see my dilemma. I do think in theory, all of that is perfect. I mean, even if let's say I only drew for two hours, I did the podcast, I ate a healthy three meals and I took a walk. That should be a perfect day actually. But I would really feel like the worst person ever if that's all I did in a day. I mean, this is how I feel. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the readings. I'm so glad you guys like the School of Life Dictionary. It really is a beautiful book, too. You know how some books are just nice. And this is one, this is one that feels and looks nice, feels good on the hands, you know? Um, I already thanked people and thank you guys for tuning in today. I want to remind you that um, this Saturday, which is October the 3rd, I believe, at 1 p.m. Central, I will be on a Zoom gallery artist talk. It's um, going to be me and the artist I told you about last week, Angela Fraley, and the gallery owner, Carrie Inman. And we're going to be talking about the work in our shows. So if you're interested in this Cloudmaker series, you can join. You just have to sign up in the link. I'll include it here or go to my Instagram or Twitter and you'll find the link. And I'd love to have you guys there and you can ask questions. So on Zoom, you know, I guess you can type in a question and they're going to review those and give them to me at the end of my talk. Um, and even say, it is, I'll tell them to look out for me reading stuff listeners. So say, me reading stuff fan, here's my question. And hopefully we can get to all of those. Um, I would love that if that happened. Um, and thank you guys. I keep forgetting to mention every time I do the podcast, but the me reading stuff shirts are still for sale on cottonbureau.com. I'm going to put the link again and I've been getting a lot of shirt sales. So that makes me very happy. Oh, and just a little pro tip. I ordered the hoodie, as I told you guys, and I also forgot that I already had the original sweater that I got when I first got these shirts made. Now, I'm going to, or the sweatshirt, the sweatshirt is softer than the hoodie. I just want to throw that out there. The hoodie feels great. I'm not saying it's hard or uncomfortable, but if you're looking for really soft material, the t-shirt and the sweatshirt are really, 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 really soft. So I would go to that if you're looking for soft, but the hoodie looks pretty awesome. And for my size, let me see what size I got. Um, I'm very comfortable with my hoodie and sweatshirt. They are a size, I believe medium. Yeah, I got mediums in the sweatshirts. So um, and the medium, I have a medium t-shirt and it's a little looser on me and in a comfortable, cozy way, like I would wear it to bed. And then the small on me is a little more like form fitting, but still appropriate, you know? Um, <laughs> not that I would fault someone for, you know, like it's inappropriate. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking, but you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I hope you guys can join on Saturday so you can hear a little, a little something about all of this. I'm trying to remember what else, but I think that's it. It was good to be here with you guys. My stomach hurts. I'm drinking kombucha. I ate popcorn again last night. I'm about to eat some ramen. I'm about to get back to the studio. Uh, closing out here. Be kind to yourselves. 
<laughs> to yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. Forgive others. Um, there is no perfect. It took me a long time to read. I would always say, but there is, because Martha Stewart exists. And this was even after she went to jail. Um, but Martha Stewart isn't perfect. I now know that. Even Martha Stewart is not perfect. Um, get yourself a Walmart sports bra. They're about $3, and they're the best bras ever, I've ever had. I'm obsessed. $3. Um, if you like olives, eat some olives. If you don't, don't do it. If you're upset, treat yourself to something good. And if you're happy, then good for you. Live it up, man. Um, why am I saying man? Like, I always say man a lot, but now that Joe Biden said man constantly in that debate, I'm like, I, now I feel like I'm quoting Joe Biden all the time. We shall find peace. We shall hear the angels. We shall see the sky sparkling with diamonds. That's Chekhov. I'm Robin. I gotta go. Have a nice bedtime. I love you all. Good night.